Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. Our DNA is a company in fraud and credit risk and not necessarily automation. So our understanding of what good and bad and fraudulent and legitimate looks like is what makes us different here. And so we often say our, our, our engineering team has to think like a team of detectives more so than software engineers. And that kind of gives us an edge over the way we, we build our perspective on, on our solutions. That was Ronan Burke, the CEO and co-founder of Inscribe, and he is our special guest this week on episode 170 of the Leaders in Payments podcast, and I'm your host, Greg Myers. Ronan has a genuine passion for building things that create a significant impact and then using it as a mechanism for change. Inscribe is a fraud detection automation company that helps fintechs approve more customers by automating their account opening and underwriting workflows. This includes automatically overseeing some of the most fundamental checkpoints when it comes to ensuring safe, secure transactions. Ronan and I talk about his journey to becoming the CEO and what the next two to three years looks like as it relates to fraud. One thing he knows for certain is that fraud will increase substantially as the payments industry moves towards faster, cheaper, and more real-time transactions. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Ronan. Thank you for being here, and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast. Thanks for having me, Greg. It's great to be here. Well, let's dive right in. So if you don't mind, tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently live, a few things like that, and then we'll dive deeper into your professional background in a few minutes. Sounds good. So I'm Ronan, CEO and co-founder of Inscribe. Inscribe is a startup which helps fintechs prove more customers by automating their account opening and underwriting workflows. And originally, I grew up in Ireland and studied electronic engineering. I've been working on Inscribe for the past five years and currently living in San Francisco. Well, let's dive right in and talk about the company. So tell us what Inscribe does. Inscribe at a high level is a a fraud detection and automation company. If you have account opening or underwriting workflows where you have teams of people manually viewing documentation before they onboard onto your platform, that's where we, we can help. And so in particular for the payments industry, we have a lot of payments companies onboard their customers to comply with KYC, KYB regulations. So, for example, as part of these regulations, you have to prove the identity of these customers, of which, you know, understanding their addresses, where they live, and also their associations with particular businesses. So making sure they have corporate control and these types of checks are there to avoid, you know, money laundering and, and also protecting the integrity of platforms. So at Inscribe, we're, we're on a longer term mission to create a, a fair and efficient financial service ecosystem by protecting these platforms. And our automation and fraud detection software helps us do that. Okay. And what countries or regions of the world do you operate in today? Our primary market is the United States, but we've recently started working in Europe as well. You know, Western Europe and the United States are our primary markets. And then are there specific verticals? I know you talked about sort of account opening, which, you know, has a, a lot of different use cases, but, you know, outside of financial services, are there other verticals that you focus on? Yeah, so as an early stage startup, uh, one of the things I really like to focus on is focus and uh, keeping things narrow, especially in the early days and longer term, we can expand. So for now, our focus is on financial services in account opening and underwriting. 
So when you think of financial services, that is a, that sounds like one industry, but it, it really is so large that, you know, it can be divided up into very large subcomponents as well, such as, you know, you have personal loans, auto loans, mortgage, business loans, payments, crypto, and then lots of like fintech apps, uh, neo banks. And so it can be subdivided up into other categories as well. And of those categories, what we, where we primarily work today is a uh, business lending, personal lending, credit cards, payments and crypto. And so, we, we still have a bit to go even in the financial service industry. So over the next two years, that's where we'll be moving. And then if we look longer term, past two years, our scope can go beyond financial services into industries such as healthcare, government, Fortune 2000. And for us, what it really comes down to as a, as a fraud detection automation company is, is really understanding where, where customers and consumers apply for things. And these are, are usually cases where there's a lot of uh, high trust interactions happening. So. If you're applying for something online anywhere, that's where Instagram can eventually play a role in. So longer term, we do, we do have a very large scope, but for now we're keeping it narrow to keep our efforts focused while we're a growing startup. So is, is most of your focus on sort of the account opening side or do you also like have transaction monitoring or, or is it just more of the account opening? Yeah. So when we look at account opening and, and underwriting, our focus is pretty much just on the, and the proof points that happen during those interactions, more so than the, the ongoing transaction monitoring and AML checks that would be more common in the payments industry. So for example, just to give you an example here of a, a typical customer for Inscribe would be a, a credit card, a B2B credit card company, where they would use Inscribe first for the onboarding. So they prove things like how much this business earn, who are the directors of the business, and what are the identities of these directors. And then once they're onboarded then, they understand information such as how much credit should be provided to this particular business. And that's that's understood by asking for transaction data from banks. So this could be from bank statements or from information from APIs such as that. And then this information can be used then to understand the credit worthiness. And so ultimately, where you, when, when you think of Inscribe as it relates to the payments industry, we basically protect and help companies from fraud losses and credit risk losses before they make a large transaction and a large payment to a company via a loan or a credit product or, or a sale of a particular item. So how do you go to market? Do you have a, a direct sales team or partnership channels or a little bit of both? Yeah, at, at the moment, you know, 90 to 95% of our revenue comes from direct sales. So we work directly with, with customers. And again, this is a primarily a result of, you know, we're, we're an early stage startup and we want to learn from our customers and have a very short feedback loop between us delivering a product to them and then providing feedback to us. And that's how we've learned. And we've been working with some of the fastest growing fintechs in the United States to, to build a product um, since our early days in 2018. And I think that's been one of the keys to us building a product, which is being adopted by many of the, the household names in fintech, um, is our ability to directly sell and then also very closely listen to feedback and then build a product accordingly. And especially in the fraud industry and the fraud and the risk industry, it's it's one of those cases where you really do need to be as close as possible to the fraud and the risk to get the real insights. And, you know, you, you can, you know, have hypotheses about what's happening if you're working in isolation, but really you, you need to be on the ground understanding what's happening to build adequate defenses against these risks that are always emerging and evolving. And how do you price the product? Is it like a SaaS model or a transaction fee or sort of how does it, how does it work? Yeah, so our, our primary variable component right now is documents. So we're quite fortunate in that it, it's a very tangible 
variable component to, to price upon. So the number of documents you process uh, is how the price is is determined, and it's a it's a SaaS business model, so yearly subscriptions. Okay, that makes sense. And what would you say differentiates your company from your competitors out there? Yeah, it's a great question. So we recognize when you when you talk about identity verification and fraud and risk, there's so many vendors that come to mind. But for Inscribe, the the differentiating factors we split them up into three different categories. So. Firstly, in, in the account opening space, many other players focus on the automation of reviewing passports and driving licenses, but not proof of address or proof of business ownership documents, whereas we primarily focus on these address and ownership documents. So that's like the first key difference. Secondly, our, our DNA as a company is in fraud and credit risk and not necessarily automation. So our understanding of what good and bad and fraudulent and legitimate looks like is what makes us different here. And so we often say our, our, our engineering team has to think like a team of detectives more so than software engineers. And that kind of gives us an edge over the way we, we build our perspective on, on our solutions. And then finally as well, what we've seen across the industry is that many vendors in the automation space have humans in the loop. However, we don't think that's the, the correct strategy long-term. And we believe uh, fully automated solutions can be delivered here without humans in the loop. And this enables us to offer faster responses and a more secure offering where data is not being viewed by human reviewers. You know, this helps us deliver a solution which lives up to the promises of automation that was made to these companies years ago when they set out on digital transformation stories. And where do you see, and maybe you can answer this in, in sort of the perspective of the market that you play in, which is obviously broader than payments, but where do you see that part of the industry headed, say, in the next two to three years? Yeah, it's certainly interesting. And just to provide everybody with context, where, where Inscribe pretty much operates is protecting payments and platforms which rely on payments from onboarding users, which would end up being fraudulent or very risky to do business with. And so what I see happening, a few things happening. So firstly, I think fraud will increase as the payment, payments industry moves towards you know, faster, cheaper, and more real-time payments. And then secondly, and related to the first point is companies will, start, will need to start using more technology to augment human operations. So compliance processes, and particularly those related to KYC and money laundering, have historically been quite manual and slow. And so that's going to make it quite difficult to keep up with the, the volume and speed of money movement in the future. So we have this interesting challenge where payments are trying to get faster. But if you want to do payments faster, you, you kind of need to get up to speed as well in terms of the operations that uh, support those. Thirdly, I think there will be more more ways to comply with KYC, KYB regulations. But and ultimately, I think there'll be a, a many more easier and faster ways and more secure ways to comply with KYC regulations in the future that make use of wallets or this idea of historical transactions as well. So while it can seem like a a burden to be uploading documentation, I think um, there are many ways that the industry can move towards lower friction solutions and Inscribe hopes to be part of that story as well. Do you see things like blockchain and crypto affecting your business positively or negatively? Yeah, so from the the customer perspective, we, we work with some of the biggest crypto exchanges in the world and particularly for the onboarding of their larger clients. And so, you know, from a customer perspective, we do help there. And from like a technology perspective, I do believe there are applications of blockchain and, and crypto in fraud, risk and identity space. However, w- one big belief I have is that we need to be empathetic to how the world works today and then work with businesses to help them transition to this future state along a journey. You know, there have been a lot of suggestions over the past number of years of putting identity on the blockchain and you just pass it around. But in practical terms, many businesses and 
companies just simply aren't ready for that yet. And so we need to be empathetic towards the pace at which they want to move and do our best to move it as fast as possible. But yeah, I think in the, in the future, I'm not entirely sure what form it will take yet, but I think it will play a role. Do you care to get the crystal ball out and think about 10 years from now? <laughs> I think one big trend, I think, which will occur is it's like this, this transition from you know in-person, local trade where you know you go into a retail branch at a bank or you know real estate agent uh, to make a large you know uh, purchase of a property so that's like you know the old world where you know they would have known the customer very well had a lot of trust built up very quickly and then if you contrast that to the perhaps less trusty world of uh, an online business where you know trust isn't as easy to establish as quickly where you know there's millions of potential customers all around, globalized all around the world and also a lot more threats as well. And I, I think bridging this gap will be, I think, the source for one of the biggest changes over the next 10 years. And ideally, we can get to a point where, you know, online businesses can trust their customers as much as, you know, a person walking into a store and the retail person understanding and knowing the person and their family personally and be able to do business very quickly with them. I think that transition will be the source of a large amount of innovation. And in terms of what that means, then I think a lot of online businesses will be enabled from this where you might think it's too risky to do these things online. It'll become more and more feasible and actually perhaps safer to do such large transactions online where trust can be established in seconds. And I, I think trust can be established today online, but you often need to go through a lot of work and provide a lot of information to establish that trust. Um, and it can perhaps take days. So e even large fintechs who provide loans online, you know, you're still waiting, you know, a couple of hours or a couple of days. But in, in the future, this could ideally take a couple of seconds. And go, moving on that journey is going to be very interesting to watch. I think the the younger demographic who, you know, grew up on electronic devices and phones to do practically everything, they're going to demand that, right? Their purchasing power is increasing every year and they're going to demand that easy, frictionless experience. And, you know, they're going to question why an online company wouldn't trust them, right? So I think you're spot on with that assessment. I don't know how many years it's going to take, but I think you're right. There's such a, a future in that online becoming, you know, more like retail. And I definitely think that's, that's something that's coming. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's switch gears and talk about you a little bit. So talk about your journey, how you got to be the CEO and co-founder there, just kind of your professional background, if you don't mind walking us through that. Yeah. So I guess my journey started in university. So electronic engineering was always very, you know, creating things and building things and understanding how things worked. And that was always an inclination I had. And uh, I remember my first exposure uh, to Silicon Valley was a poster of Palo Alto and Mountain View with okay. companies like HP, Intel, Sun Microsystems, Xerox, those types of companies uh, kind of dotted around this map. And uh, I think it was about 10 when I saw this map first. And uh, it always just intrigued me. And I was incredibly curious for years afterwards, like, who were these people? What were their companies? And uh, what, were they, what were they trying to do and achieve? A lot of it was, you know, revolving around semiconductor technology. And that's what inspired me to study electronic engineering. But I was probably like a decade or two decades too late to get to the forefront of um, the innovations happening in Silicon Valley with, with semiconductors. And, you know, a lot of that, you know, we've moved from atoms to, to bits now. And a lot of the, a lot of innovation now is, is mostly happening on the, the software side. And 
I mean, there, there is a lot of innovations that are happening with, with semiconductors, but it's, it's happening in more of a concentrated manner in, in a smaller number of companies. And it's incredibly expensive to do, so it's not as accessible. And so in, in university then, I started moving towards software engineering and computer science and, and building things online. And that really opens up the world for the possibility of actually building something and distributing it to a customer without millions and millions of dollars to get started. And I think that's one of the interesting things about building B2B SaaS business online. You, you can get started relatively cost-effectively. And, and in during university then, we had myself and my co-founder, who's also my, my twin, we had multiple projects that we were tinkering with. And when it came to final year in university, we, we decided we were going to work on something for a year after university regardless of the commercial viability. So it didn't necessarily need to turn into a company. But if it did, great. If it didn't, at least we learned a lot and had some fun. So we, we had very little to lose. And so, you know, we had to live very cheaply and kind of use our savings from internships up to that point to fund that. And that was how we got started on, you know, our, our initial entrepreneurial journey. And it was actually around this time as well where we got onto the idea of Inscribe. And it was actually from our our own experience with financial services and financial products. And so we, we, we basically became frustrated with the financial products we were using and we decided to take a deeper look. Uh, and so when we were applying for current accounts with our local bank in Ireland, it was unusually painful. So we were providing documents, going into the retail branch, waiting weeks for a response, trying to change an address was almost impossible. And then similarly, when we visited the US and tried to apply for a credit card, we were rejected. And it took like four weeks to get that notification it all seemed very broken, the interactions we were having. You know, in particular, we were very suspicious of what was going on behind the scenes. And so many financial services products have reasonably good application flows compared to what's going on their their risk and ops teams. And so that's where we, we knew there was something to look into there. And we then began speaking to founders of fintechs, thinking they had all figured it out. And that was just the answer, you know, go to a fintech. But we also learned that they, you know, while they delivered an improved user experience on the front end, behind the scenes, their risk and ops teams were actually the same as the larger institutions. This wasn't due to the fact that they didn't have the tech skills to build it. It was more due to the fact that they were growing so fast that they haven't gotten around to you know, building the automation and kind of tech stack to, to fully look after it. And so that's where our journey began, really, is like when we realized that the fintechs didn't have good software for their risk and ops teams, we knew there was a large opportunity here. And the funny thing about it is that the fintech should be the companies who are adopting technology from day one, so they don't get to a point where you know their their products and services are being hindered by by lack of technology. And so that's where we found our sweet spot with our go to market today, where we're, we're mostly serving the fastest growing fintechs in the states, and that's where we're going to start, and then eventually move into the more traditional financial services companies who who really do aspire to be like the the fintechs when it comes to the technology component of it. And you started the company, did you say, in 2017? Yeah, 2017. So that was the uh, June 2017 was uh, the start of the year of uh, projects for us. And we arrived at the idea of Inscribe in July 2018, when we were participating in the Y Combinator Startup Accelerator Program. Okay. And have you taken in outside funding? Yeah, we're a venture-backed company. So we're going down this model and we've raised $13.7 million to date. Well, what are some things that you're passionate about? So maybe one personal passion and one business-related passion. Yeah, so I'll start with the work one. So, And perhaps this kind of seeps into some personal stuff, but I'm just passionate about building things and using that as a mechanism for change. And this belief that, you know, I can build something that has a large impact. And also the team that we and I work with, we can together collectively build something that has an impact. 
and uh, we don't just need to exist in the world and take it for granted and take it as is. And you also don't need permission to start doing this as well. And also no one's going to tell you to start either. And so I think this is just like a philosophy, which is kind of, I've been passionate about for years. And I think as time has progressed in, in, in university, I was pretty much like looking out at the world in awe, like looking at like all these incredible things going on. And, you know, I sort of had questions about whether or not I could even participate and get involved and start building and have an impact. And so it's, it was incredibly like liberating and enjoyable to actually build software that's used by companies that I was interacting with at that time that they've I've, I've since been able to play a role there and, and also work with, you know, the team uh, at Inscribe as well to deliver that. That's just incredibly rewarding. And it's something that my passion has grown for over time. And yeah, I think non-work related then, I am a big fan of running and how helpful and enjoyable it can be in many ways. So I run a couple of times a week and go for a little bit of a longer run on the weekends. And yeah, I think it's just great outlet and there's never an excuse for not doing it. If I'm traveling in a new city, staying in a hotel, all you need is a pair of shoes. So it's a great sport if you can get into it. I know it can be boring sometimes, but if you can get into a a good good place with it, it's a it's very helpful. And also just listening, if you can run and also listen to podcasts, can actually be a, a great help as well. So are you a marathon runner or not that long of a distance? Not that long of a distance yet, but yeah, eventually someday. Great. Well, what advice would you give someone who's just coming into payments or even coming into the components of payments that you guys focus on, you know, as a leader, I'm sure, you know, you're hiring and you're seeing these people come in. I I often talk about when I started in the industry 16 years ago, fintech didn't even exist. And now kids in college can take it as a course. And they look at our industry, if you just broaden it to, you know, fintechs and payments, they see our industry, a lot of money's been invested in this space. There's a lot of technology. There's a lot of innovation. They see it as a, as a hot industry and may want to build a career in it. So curious what you would tell someone coming right out of school, what should they do to be successful? Yeah, for me, I'm a big advocate of, of startups and what they can provide. And this is in contrast to a perhaps more established company. And there are many benefits of working in an established company. And um, I realize you need to be quite fortunate to be able to you know, take a, a large risk out of university to go work at a startup. But the learning opportunities that startups can provide are incredible. But also, uh, I find that startups are often at the frontier of a particular technology. And that can give you an insight into the future. And that's an incredibly valuable opportunity. And so it also depends on you know where you're located around the world. And I know the pandemic and the whole shift to Zoom has helped distribute startup centers around the world. So now more than ever, you can be involved in the startup ecosystem without you know being located in San Francisco or, or Berlin or Paris. You can partake anywhere in the world. And yeah, I think for learning opportunities and the access to Frontier, I think it's um, a great place to start a career and you, you learn a ton have a lot of fun along the way as well. Well, Ronan, we've talked about you and your background, obviously the company itself and and what it's doing. And then obviously we've talked about the industry and where it's headed. So we've covered a lot of topics so far. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? No, that was a great conversation. Um, Thanks for having me. And yeah, if anybody wants to learn more about what we're doing at Inscribe, you can learn more about us at inscribe.ai. Awesome. Well, Ronan, thank you so much for being on the show today. I know your time's very valuable, so I appreciate you being here. No problem at all. Thanks for having me, Greg. Been great. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. 
Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well.